When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Browns minicamp day two uh, in Berea today. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. So we saw another practice today. We heard from a lot of players, a lot of key players, actually, after practice. We heard from Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, David Njoku, and, of course, uh, Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski as well. But Deshaun Watson, obviously, the headliner of that group. Uh, we'll do some takeaways like we did yesterday from Browns minicamp. Mary Kay? Why don't you lead us off? Well, you know, the the first thing that I think I'd like to talk about is the fact that when we did talk to Deshaun Watson, I asked him uh, for a De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins update because obviously we are getting to that point now where DeAndre Hopkins is going to be uh, starting his free agent tour. Where do things stand? So uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, basically reiterated that he would still like to have DeAndre Hopkins here. We all know the reasons for that. Uh, but the truth of the matter, as I did, you know, a bunch of reporting throughout the day, you know, I came to find out that there is no vis- visit scheduled uh, for DeAndre Hopkins to come to Cleveland, which I think is a bit odd. Uh, he is going to visit the Titans on Sunday. Maybe maybe they already know that this is where he's going to end up. I, I don't know. Um, but I do think it's a bit odd that that he's not coming here for at least a, a look-see, a conversation, a visit with, you know, Deshaun, get out on the grass, see how it looks, uh, give him a physical, whatever the case may be. I mean, his agent is based here in Cleveland. His brand new agent is Cleveland-based. I mean, it just seems like it makes so much sense to me uh, to, have, to have brought him in, but that is not going to happen. And, as, and the very first thing I ever wrote about uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the Browns' interest is that it was going to be unlikely for them to to sign him. And then Deshaun started making his pitch for him. And so I kind of started going down the road of, well, if Deshaun really wants him, then they would at least have to consider it. But now I'm back to, and I put it at 20% at one point along the way too. Um, but now I'm I'm back to long shot, not happening. The only way that it would happen is if his market just fall the bottom falls out of out of the market. Now that I mean they're just not looking to add somebody of that caliber, of that price, that big name kind of a guy at this point. And I think they are going to move forward with the wide receiving core that they have. They at least should have him on a visit. I know right. it takes I know it takes two to to set that up obviously he's got to want to come and visit but i'm sure like you know just in the interest of doing due diligence both sides bring him into the building let him meet kevin let him show him some stuff out of the the offense let him 
if there's any players, there probably wouldn't be any players around by the time he got here. But, what, you know, whoever's around, let him meet those guys. Let him see the facility and all the work they're doing and, uh, you know, the cryogenics room or whatever it is that they built last year. I I think you have to at least have him in for a visit. I think I think you owe that to the quarterback that you paid $230 million to if he wants him. And I, I would actually be a little disappointed if they didn't at least kick the tires and see if bringing him into Cleveland and making that pitch didn't make him be willing to give you a little discount. Even if, if that's what it took. I mean, Ashley, is this, if, if Deandre doesn't come in for a visit, at least if it would have been possible, how would you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it just overall is kind of, like Mary Kay said, surprising with my first instinct, because it's not like there are super high stakes when you take a visit, right? Like, again, it's just part of doing your due diligence. So, I don't know, it's like my first thought is, well, maybe the destination is already kind of figured out, or maybe he just has a specific number in mind money-wise that he's not willing to budge from, that he knows the Browns can't offer to him because of his cap space situation. Um, But like, because of all the reasons Mary Kay laid out, I mean, for me, it's like the friendship with Deshaun Watson alone, you would think would be enough for him to be like, Hey, how can we make this happen? Um, So it is, it is interesting. Like I, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm just kind of surprised by it. Like, I think it's kind of weird. And I'm looking on, on over the cap right now, the Titans don't have a ton of cap space. They only have seven, about $8 million, a little under $8 million in cap space. I mean, they have, which is about half of what the Browns have right now. Um, so they have, they would have to, to do some things to probably get to the Andre Hopkins price. Uh, you know, again, you know, Mary Kay, like at least bring him in and say, are you sure you want to play with Ryan Tannehill? Is that really like, is that really what you want when you can come here and play with Deshaun Watson and maybe go to the playoffs, maybe have a chance to win a super. I mean, there's, you can make a pretty good pitch to Deandre Hopkins. They can make a pretty good pitch to Deandre Hopkins. And I think they had him at hello. I mean, I think he would love to come and play for the Cleveland Browns. I think he would love to be reunited with Deshaun Watson. Uh, I do think that money has something to do with it. The Browns do have some money now uh, because of their little June 1st bonuses that they got uh, in releasing a couple players. Um, But I think they just don't really want to spend that kind of money on a receiver. I think they feel good about their receiving core right now. I think, you know, they're looking out there and they're, you know, they're really excited about Elijah and what he's been doing. They're very excited about Amari now being so healthy coming off the core muscle surgery. And I just don't think that they are in the market to do this. So I think it's really all coming from the Browns at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Roll the dice. Take a chance. Go big or go home. What other things can I come up with? What other cliches can I throw out there? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, if if you're serious about winning the Super Bowl, You've got to, you got to turn over every stone. Yeah. yeah. And Go ahead, like for, for, no, what I was just thinking is like when, you know, when we think about Andrew Barry, it's like he hasn't been afraid to make like big splashy moves in the past, right? Like when they really needed something or, or even when, you know, drama was going down, like with Odell, like he let Odell go in the middle of the season. Sometimes he's, you know, he's willing to hold on to guys when they request a trade, like Kareem Hunt, when we saw that situation last year, um, he brought in Zadarius Smith. He made that trade happen. Like Andrew Berry has pulled off plenty 
Um, so yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the rationale would be. Um, other than like you said, Dan, kind of like them liking their receiving core maybe. And, and Mary Kay mentioned that as well. Um, so it, it is interesting to me overall, because again, like you would think just with like due diligence alone, in my opinion, you should at least bring the guy in for a visit and see how that conversation goes. Okay. Well, listen, I like their receiving core too, but <laughs> you know, if well, we're sitting there, if we're sitting there in the middle of October and it's like, oh God, DeAndre Hopkins is playing really well and the Browns yeah, feel or, like they could use another big receiver. Or what if we're sitting here in the middle of October and I don't know, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore are hurt or something, right? Like that receiving core is going to look a lot different and it's only going to take like one or two injuries to potentially make something like that happen. And again, I mean, we talked about this on a previous podcast, but last year in training camp, that receiver room was just bitten by the injury bug. They could not shake it. Um, And then Amari Cooper obviously played through that core muscle injury towards the end of the season as well. But like, it's just like, it's so risky. Like if you can get a guy who meshes really well with your quarterback, like, I don't know, it's just the, the due diligence part of it. I'm going to keep saying that. That's like the word of the podcast already of the phrase of the podcast. <laughs> and, and like, if it's going to work anywhere, Mary Kay, it's going to work with Deshaun Watson because they know each other so well and they, they have that connection. So even if he's not the Deandre Hopkins that he was, you know, when he was with Deshaun the first time, like those two just know each other so well, they're going to figure out a way to make it work and, and make him a, a valuable piece of that receiving court. It, I don't know. It just makes a, it, it makes too much sense for him to at least not pay a visit here. Yeah. Instant chemistry, absolute instant chemistry. You know that these guys are going to score the football together. And that's the most important thing that this team has to do. I crunched a few numbers when I was doing my Deshaun Watson story today And they were tied for last in the NFL with 19 touchdown passes last year. Again, we know that uh, Deshaun Watson only played the last six games, but they were tied for nine. They were tied for last in the NFL with only 19. That's nothing. And they were 20, I think, oh, they were 18th in the NFL with only 21 point something points scored per game. That is not much more than they were getting in the, in like when Colt McCoy was starting a quarterback for them. I remember, uh, you know, doing the numbers back then, and the numbers were really bad back then. Well, you know what? They were really bad last year, too, when it comes to uh, your passing game. So uh, let me think of what a, what other number was there that stands out in my mind. Um, I mean, those were two of the biggest ones just in terms of uh, they were 22nd against uh, – they were 22nd in passing. And – you know, that's that's ridiculous in today's passing NFL. So, um, you know, this would instantly boost that. To give you an, an example, and I forgot to even put this in the story, the, with the Browns' 19 touchdown passes last year, Deshaun Watson, in his three full seasons in Houston, 26 touchdown passes, 26 down, touchdown passes, and 33 touchdown passes. So... I mean, he's alone blowing away those numbers. So, you know, and of course, Hopkins was on the receiving end of 25 of them. Uh, yeah, I I think it would have been definitely a come on in. Let's see what you got. Let's talk things over. And uh, and then we go from there. 
Yeah, so today Amari didn't practice, and I was I was just thinking of this, but you know Donovan Peoples Jones had a touchdown catch, and then on the other side, at one point they threw a little fade to Marquise Goodwin, and he wasn't able to go up over the DB. It wasn't it wasn't a, a really good throw, um, but he wasn't able to go up over the DB and get it. I know somebody who would have, and to yeah. your point, Ashley, that was uh, this was the day when Amari Cooper was not was not out there, so um, kind of a, a situation there. All right, let's move on, Ashley. What was your takeaway from today? Yeah, um, I'm going to talk about Dalvin Tomlinson because I spent, you know, a lot of my my time in his media scrum that we had after practice. And, you know, I think I'm just kind of struck by, number one, like what he had to say about Zadarius Smith and kind of recognizing how powerful he is as an interior edge rusher. I mean, we talked yesterday about some of these packages we're seeing where they had Obo Okoronkwo and Miles Garrett on the edge, and then they put Zadarius inside next to Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, for some really interesting looks. And, you know, I asked him about Jim Schwartz's line to Siaki Ika about being Ferraris and not dump trucks. And he said, you know, I've never heard a defensive coordinator talk like that about interior D linemen um, and how excited he was to like be feeling like he has something to do um, other than not eating up blocks. And, or, and he said, you know, I feel like that it, there's obviously only so much you can glean. Like it's what we've been saying, right? When, they're not in pads. They're not able to go full go. Like these OTAs and mini camps certainly favor offenses like Kevin Stefanski alluded to earlier this week as well. But, you know, he did say like the sky's the limit. He feels like with the four of those guys in particular out there together, just from like knowing what Zedarius can do on the inside. And he said, watching Oboe and Miles on film and playing against them over the years that he thinks their skill sets mesh together really well. And it just seems like to me, it was just another example of, I think like a player getting up there and feeling to me like they've really bought in to Jim Schwartz's defense, his system so far. Um, And I think somebody asked him like, what's the one thing you take away? And Dalvin was like, just play fast. That will rotate you if you get tired and every play you're going 100%. So just make sure you're running. And I think that's like a very concise and interesting way to kind of put Jim Schwartz's philosophy. It's our first vibes check of 2023, the first vibes check check of the season. And I've got to say, hearing defensive guys talk, Mary Kay, they really are excited about this Jim Schwartz scheme and and kind of what he's got. I mean, we've heard nothing and I I wouldn't expect to hear guys, you know, rip on Jim Schwartz, but I'm just saying we've heard nothing but really positive things uh, about this defense and and players being excited uh, to be in it. It feels real. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime I've ever talked to a defensive lineman about Jim Schwartz beginning uh, back at, at the uh, the Super Bowl when I talked to a bunch of the Eagles players, uh, it was genuine even then when they would just light up talking about, you know, what he allows his defensive linemen to do. And it's just like, go, get to the quarterback. And it's just the command is very, very simple and they love it. And they get to do what they love to do more than anything. And it seems to be a win-win for everyone. So, um, yeah, these guys are really excited. And, you know, we had been writing and talking about for a while that Zadarius was going to rush from the interior position to see it out there on the grass. I mean, it really looks uh, formidable to see those guys and to see uh, just how much better that looks than what we have seen. I mean, think about it. Dalvin and Zadarius and Oboe and Miles all together for the most part. I mean, that that would be dynamite. That's going to be dynamite. And I'm sure that Joe Burrow and uh, Lamar Jackson and and Kenny Pickett, I'm sure their uh, eyes and ears are perking up 
overseeing what's going on over here in Cleveland because it's it's going to be formidable. Yeah, the the whole Zadarius inside and just all the different looks they can give and uh, you know Dalvin. I think Dalvin's going to be fun all year. He's going to be sort of our new Sheldon Richardson. I don't know that he's got Sheldon had a little bit of an edge to him. I don't know if Dalvin has that that kind of edge to him that Sheldon had, but I think he's going to be a fun guy in that locker room. I hope he's in a really good spot in the locker room, like right behind us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ashley Dalvin is, he, he's definitely going to be a fun addition to this team. Yeah. You know, it was kind of funny today. Somebody asked him about him and Miles Garrett. Like they seem to have a lot of similar, at least off the field interests. Of course, we've talked about that with Dalvin before. He's a bit of this like Renaissance kind of man and very into music and art and things like that. And he was talking about those guys, like having a whole conversation about anime, which like I admittedly know nothing about, but like, his face lit up when he was talking about it. Like, and he's just so nice when he talks to us too. Like you get that vibe of him as just being like, you know, a really nice guy to talk to who gets along with people, but obviously a bit more vicious once he hits the field uh, because you wouldn't want to line up out opposite of him. If you're a card, I don't think, cause he is big in person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of, again, it's, it's the vibe check, right? Um, so take it with a grain of salt because even we make fun of it a little bit, but it's, it's better. It's, I, again, it's better than the alternative. It's like not dropping passes at this point. It's better than the alternative, which would be, I don't know about this. And I know in years past, like you guys have, have experienced off seasons like that, where you come into mini camp or OTAs and it's like, oh boy, this is, this is interesting. And we're not really getting that. Okay, so there's another big one. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it, though. Uh, we'll do that one after the break. The one I'm going to throw out is because I was just thinking about this today because I wrote about Nick Chubb. He spoke today, um, and he talked, of course, about Jim Brown. And it's pretty incredible to think, like, Nick Chubb, you know, he actually got asked about this. Like, we get these game notes, and I've said this on the podcast before, we get these game notes after every game. And in the Nick Chubb section, it's always like, Nick Chubb and Jim Brown like he's always in that same sentence as Jim Brown and obviously he's still kind of distant from him but he's about at his current pace and he'd have to stay healthy and have to be really durable for this but he's about four and a half seasons away from having a shot at breaking that rushing record uh that the team rushing record but what I was really thinking about is like so in the last couple days we've talked to Nick Chubb who like legitimately is one of, if not the best running backs in the league. Um, Joel Batonio, one of the best guards in the league. Deshaun Watson, who we think if he's the old Deshaun Watson is a top five to seven quarterback in the league, maybe even better than that. Um, Amari Cooper, who we all like. Miles Garrett, who PFF just said is the best edge rusher in football. And it it's just sort of jarring how much top end talent is actually on this football team. And it just got me thinking, Mary Kay, like our expectations should be like the expectations for this team should be like, you have to make the playoffs and you have to like have a legitimate shot to go to the AFC championship game and go to the Super Bowl. Like that should be the expectation for this team, because just in the last two days alone, think about all the people we've talked to. And like, these are not, nobody's these are like legitimate top end players in the league yeah it almost seems like if that doesn't happen something is gravely wrong because they have every bit of talent that they need to now again 
it's hard to go to the AFC championship game. It's really, really hard, especially nowadays with all of the um, amazing quarterbacks in the AFC. It's going to be hard to go there and it's going to be doubly hard then to get to the Super Bowl. But that's that's where the expectation should be. I mean, going making it to the playoffs and, you know, losing in the wild card round. No, not with all the money that you're paying all these guys. You're still talking about some of the highest picks in in these years. Miles, number one overall. Denzel, number four. I mean, you know, these, these are you know, there are a lot of pro bowlers. There are a, are a fair amount of all pros on this team, uh, you know. This is a, a very, very talented roster, the most talented roster that I've ever covered. And I think, you know, we are all, we are so used to tempering the enthusiasm that I think we're, you know, kind of afraid to say, hmm, you know, they might be onto something here. But on paper, they're definitely onto something. Yeah. And, you know, again, Nick Chubb has a legitimate shot if he's healthy and durable to be a Hall of Fame running back. Like, that's real. He's he's that talented of a runner. Miles Garrett is going to be a 100-sack guy, at least. He's got a chance. Joel Batonio, we'll see. Guards are hard. Um, but, they, you know, he could end up getting a little Hall of Fame buzz. But just beyond that, like, these are legitimately players that we can talk about near the top of their position in the top five or top ten or, you know, some of them maybe stretch to top 15, whatever it is. These are legitimately talented players, but... As we've talked about before, you don't win games on paper. And Ashley, one of your favorite Mad Men quotes um, pertaining to the coaching staff, Andrew Barry gave them the pieces. The coaching staff has to put it together. That's what the money's for. Yes. I mean, the the expectations. Yes. No, not at all. But the expectations should be that this coaching staff can get this team to a certain high level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, that to me is like too why I think frustration kind of mounts like amongst the fan base when the losses start to pile up, right? Because it's like people know this team on paper is supposed to be good. So it's like, well, if the product isn't working on the field because we have all these great individual guys, then it must be something else, right? And slowly, little by little, we've seen them correct things, right? Or or ramp things up. Like they got there who they think is their franchise quarterback. Um, obviously, they overhaul coaching staff front office before 2020, and you get a little taste of the playoff success. Um, you fix the defense, you get a new coordinator, you fix the special team slowly over two years. Like you do all these things. So now it looks like the best on paper that it's looked since I've covered the team, which isn't that long, but um, it, it looks very good, but now it's like, how's it going to look in September when they get on the field? And I think like when it comes to, you know, tempering things, it's like, I understand when fans don't, there's, you know, I think a segment of the fan base that wants to get super excited when you see little clips at, at this stage, but there's also a segment of fans who's like trying to bring things back to reality when people get excited. And I don't blame that segment of the fan base either, because it's a fan base that's been burned a lot by these really high expectations, like not panning out. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then when we get back, I think we're going to get to that, that one big takeaway that's still kind of hanging out there. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, recapping day three of Brown's minicamp. Mary Kay, I'm not sure if we're on the same wavelength here, but what what's the other takeaway do you think that I'm that I'm leaning towards here? Everything's new. Yes, exactly. <laughs> go go ahead. 
everything's new. That's uh, Deshaun Watson was asked today uh, about the offensive changes and how different, what percentage of the playbook will be different and how, you know, how many new plays will there be? And he said, everything's different. Everything is different. Now, we'll see if that really is true. I find it a little hard to believe that, uh, you know, that Kevin Stefanski just chucked the playbook and started all over. Um, but I do believe that they have tailored every single thing in this offense now to Deshaun Watson and what he does well. And uh, one of the things about this that kind of stood out while I was writing it was the fact that he's talking about the fact that he's going to have more responsibility. If you guys remember last year, and I'm sure you do, he said, I was used to having more responsibility in the offense before. And now everything's kind of like, you know, comes in through the headset, you know, and I think he's back to, I don't know if he's going to be sliding the protections. I, I don't know uh, if he's going to be doing some of the things that he did before, all of the things that he did before, um, but he certainly is going to have a lot more control over what happens on the field. They'll probably be playing uh, some more no huddle. Um, but no matter how you slice it, it's all about Deshaun, what he likes, what he's good at, and he's had a lot of input in it himself. And this is this is what he said um, in a follow up um, when you kind of this is one of those moments where a guy gives you that sound bite like everything's new, and then the next question comes along, and you're kind of sitting there thinking, wait, 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 we got to go back to that, and we got to get more from that. So Mary Kay, you followed up with him, and he said, uh, I would just say the foundation and structure of the offense is the same, but as we build and continue to get ready for the season, everything else is new. How would you interpret that? Ashley, I'm trying to like, does it still mean, you know, there's still the concepts of the zone blocking and Nick Chubb still matters. And, you know, some of those, some of those things are still elements of it, but this is ultimately going to be an offense built around probably the most athletic quarterback Kevin Stefanski has ever coached. Yeah. I just kept, and I referenced this in our video that we did today. Like I just kept thinking about last year a lot because so much was uncertain. Right. And ultimately they had to get ready for a season knowing like we're going to have to start Jacoby Brissett who like, I guess very base level, similar skill set, but is obviously a very, very different quarterback with a different ability in those skills. And it's like, you get Jacoby then for, okay, 11 games. It's like that offense can't look how you ultimately want it to look with Deshaun. And like, for me, the biggest thing is, well, when you have a guy like Deshaun, part of what makes him so good is his processing, especially with like RPO stuff and knowing when he wants to run versus hand the ball off to Nick versus make the long throw, plus his ability to hang on to the ball to make really long plays, make explosive passing plays. So all of those things, it's like it's more almost like improvisational. So I think that's like a big change, right? Especially from like two years ago when Baker Mayfield was still here. Um but to me, it's just like they weren't able to make this offense look like what they wanted it to last year because you had a different quarterback and you had to keep things simple and you had to make it so like Deshaun could come in and fit in, but it's not going to be allowing him to do everything he can do because you would throw off everybody else, I think, at that point who had been doing one thing or doing things one way for 11 games and then the final six games having to change it up. I think it just would have been too much. So I think like ideally what this is going to look like is how last year would have looked like had they had Deshaun Watson for a full season. 
So that just kind of is what I kept coming back to. Like, I think maybe the framework, the rough draft was there last year, but this is going to be more intricate and like allowing Deshaun to do what he's really good at was what I thought when I heard that. Mary Kate, it sounds like your cat might have some thoughts on yeah. the Browns. Move offense. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can hear Shelby. I, Shelby, I can't. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry this about is, that. This is the number one, the number one pet podcast in football. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I have gotten the sense that just this off season, knowing Deshaun Watson is going to start week one has made a world of difference. And Last year at this time, we didn't even know how long it was going to be. We didn't know if it was going to be six games, if it was going to be a year. We just had no idea. Let's be honest. They would maybe never admit this. If it was a six-game suspension, then maybe you just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb for six games, and then you get to that Deshaun Watson offense. But as soon as it was 11 games, like there was no way you were going to be able to have a Deshaun Watson offense and, and be able to be competitive. And it just feels different, I think, for that reason alone this year. Yeah, and not only that, another reason why I think it feels different to Deshaun and to everyone else is the supporting cast around him. I mean, when you've got, uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin to throw the ball to deep and he gets behind the whole entire defense and Anthony Schwartz wasn't able to do that last year for one reason or another, most of the time he was hurt or whatever the case may be, um, or just not, you know, available. Um, it looks different when, you know, when you've got Elijah Moore with, you know, speed coming from, you know, the slot position, it looks different when you've got David Bell growing up, uh, you know, another year and looking better. Same thing when you've got Jordan Aikens at tight end catching passes, it's, it's, it's a completely different offense with these guys, right? I mean, the personnel has been overhauled. And so I think, you know, when, when Deshaun says everything is different, um, I don't think it's necessarily just the X's and O's at all. I mean, he's different. He knows what he's looking at. Yes, they did tweak everything and change everything, but I think it's the upgrade in personnel that, you know, that is making the biggest difference. Okay, there we go. Day two of Brown's mini camp in the books. We've got one more day of Brown's mini camp. It's kind of like last day of school on uh on thursday um no no browns until they head to the Greenbrier after thursday i know the players are going to be getting out of there pretty quickly tomorrow um i don't believe we're talking to players at all tomorrow we're going to be getting a bunch of assistant coaches but uh we will be back with a recap of day three of browns mini camp here on the podcast so make sure you're subscribed on apple podcasts and spotify and also on youtube we'll have some stuff there cleveland browns on cleveland.com search that on youtube you'll find us and become a football insider subscriber the blue banner at the top of the page uh at cleveland.com slash browns to get info on that and get signed up for mary Kay, ashley and shelby Damn. <laughs> thanks for listening everybody <laughs>